This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Hi everyone, I'm Vico Ortiz from Our Flag Means Death. I play Jim and you are listening to Geeks Out on Joy. Oh, the pirate's life sounds just right. Sounds quite nice, I could say that twice. Sounds quite nice. We won't live long Very exciting to get to talk to Vico the other week. Yeah, nice one. Absolutely. Like, you know, always fun when Comic-Con rolls around. Folks, you are listening to Miranda, Clayton and Sam. Right now, we're going to be talking Barbie girls in Barbie worlds. We've got all of our pink going on right now in the studio. Here's a quick trailer for you. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights. Diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? When my heart Breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world Cold shower Ooh. falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. <gasps> what do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Wow, this is the real world. (laughs) What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. In the real world, that's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. It's Barbie, if you're still in doubt. That is, of course, a quick quick sneak peek of Barbie based on the toy line from Mattel, some random doll that you've likely never heard of, directed by Greta Gerwig and starring, of course, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, Hari Neff, Shruti Gatwa, Sammy Lou, and so much more. The plot, of course, follows when Barbie begins to glitch, a wise sage sets her upon <laughs> You didn't read that either, did you? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> a wise sage, also known as a weird Barbie, <laughs> sits her upon a quest to the real world and finds things to be very different than what she expected. That's one synopsis for the film. There's so much to it, though, that you could write this five different ways and still not quite encapsulate it. When I wrote that, because clearly you didn't. Um, I- <laughs> I was thinking, what, what, I want to give people as least information as they possibly can, because that's what I want people for this film, is to go in 
as little information as they can. This is absolutely a film that will surprise you. I think, you know, Sam, you were pretty surprised as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know we all were. Mm-hmm. Um, Clayton, you had a chance to to see this before the rest of us did and lord the fact over, over yeah. us. Um, I did get to go to the premiere in Melbourne and it was one of the nicest premieres I've been to in a while. Um, we got a little Barbie car filled with... Uh, nail polish, lip gloss, p- popcorn, and um, other things, and barbie chalk top, and it was it was amazing. And the, but the vibe for the film was just incredible because people were in outfits that were just people didn't fit in chairs because of their outfits. <laughs> that was like yeah, that was pretty cool. Clayton, I say this with all the love in my heart, uh-huh. but you bitch, fair. <laughs> <laughs> Now, even, I'll take that. Now, <laughs> Sam and I, you, you, you and I went on Saturday night. Yes, and. So many people that we saw there, you know, just on a regular public screening, were there decked out in pink, like in their them, their friends, their kids, yeah. um, men and women, and I'm sure non-binary people alike were there in their pink. You were there in pink-ish. I was, I was in pink for the first time yeah. in years. I had on my only pink top, uh, like a jumper and t-shirt, yeah. and a jacket which had pink and red floral. Yeah, and even I got psyched up and, you know, wore my pink preppy look as well. Even found some pink tights and went, oh, thank God, I have those. I stole clothes from Miranda. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. You say stole, mm-hmm. air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Clayton, you know, between you and I, at least, this has been one of our most anticipated films of the year. Did for you, did it live up to the hype? Look, actually, it did. I, I wasn't expecting it to because I thought I overhyped it to myself. Um, but I absolutely loved it. I loved the soundtrack. I loved the the characters. I loved the um, people in it. I love how much clearly this was a passion project for Margot Robbie. Um, I didn't even realise how much of a passion project it was until seeing, like, after I'm seeing all these snippers. And mm. it just was... The film I wasn't expecting, um, but I'm happy that I got. You may continue. Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, yeah. mm-hmm. what really took me by surprise... I didn't... Ex- ever expect to see a Barbie movie that would be so powerfully feminist. Yes. Considering, you know, the way folks talk about, you know, Barbie, you know, perpetuating um, unrealistic beauty standards and the like, you wouldn't expect to go into this film and see something that, like, you know, is really critical of that and self-aware of that. And... I mean, I mean, what really struck me, and I'm I'm hoping this isn't a spoiler, but Barbie's character development is of a figure who is aspirational and very much embodies girls can do anything, clashing against the reality of the ways real life girls feel let down by her, and that is a part of her journey and how that resolves is. I know it's very. I know it's a lot deeper than I thought a commercial movie would be, and you know I think, I think it's safe to say we all agree that you know on that message that you know it was very very powerful. And I think a really important thing for families to know is this is not a kids' film. Mm. Don't take your children to this movie. They won't. There's nothing bad in it, but they're not gonna vibe with it because it's, it is for grown ups. I mean, I think, you know, kids will still find some, like, will just enjoy the pink and the pretty out of it. But it is, it does surprise me because there's talk of genitalia. Yeah. And of, like, inflating boobs and sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. But I know th- there's a part of me that wants to say that 
this is a part of the experience of a lot of women mm. growing up, like, you know, especially in early adolescence, like, you know, from the time, from the time your boobs start to grow, you know, suddenly you're getting the attention of unwanted attention of strange men. And so this is maybe something adolescent films could talk about a bit more. Absolutely. I'm not saying that there's anything in here I'm worried about kids seeing. I just think kids are going to love bits of it where there's gloss and pink, but they, the rest of it's going to shook over their heads. Yeah, I, I think that, that, you know, like, what do you think of that, Sam? I I think it's uh, worthwhile for for people and, and, and kids to see. I think they managed to talk about feminism and the patriarchy in ways that girls are going to understand, boys too. Hmm. Uh, I also, when you're talking about how it's really self-aware, yes, uh, she gets called out. Yeah. By a teenage girl for <laughs> being, you know, an image of um, unrealistic expectations for women. I think that was yeah, fun. It's fun. It's, it's interesting as well because the Barbie character sees herself as empowering to all women through a very simplistic screen. And that is challenge to her. That's, that's her character arc here, which is I won't get into the details of how. She moves through that, but that's definitely mm. one of the more compelling aspects of her character. But the other interesting aspect of this film, and I know you've got some very strong feelings on it too, Sam. Yes. Is about the discussions of patriarchy and particularly Ken's journey. Now, without going into too much detail, Ken, who is a character defined entirely by existing alongside Barbie, is introduced to ideas of patriarchy for the first time, and they very much appeal to him to the expense of those around him. Now, it can be said, and, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of young men do have that experience where they're introduced, like, patriarchal ideas are sold to them, and that they do buy into it. But there's another layer of this, Sam, that really plays on top of that. Yes. My issue um, is that as a trans dude, I found it to be a very alienating experience. It's important to talk about the double standards that categorise a woman experience, like, you know, having to put yourself forward but not ahead of the men around them and that sort of thing. Uh, But a lot of the talk around the experience of being socialised as a woman under the patriarchy can very easily lead to turf rhetoric that excludes trans men. Because the idea is that AFAB people socialised as women will naturally find being a woman difficult and some will want to pass as men to benefit from the patriarchy, which uh, maps very well onto Ken's experience as a man who exists in Barbie land, as, yeah, someone who doesn't have property or, or careers, mm. doesn't even consider that they might be applicable to him, mm. discovers the patriarchy and then, yeah, externalises that and buys into it to have social power. Mm. Um, and I had to walk out of that movie reminding myself that I'm not, you know, some sort of traitor to all womankind, mm. right? Uh, and that just as Barbie doesn't need any permission to, you know, transition from a, a doll, an imaginary idea, to being like, you know, a woman. Uh, to, to a human. Yeah, to a human. 
yeah, I, I don't I don't need permission either to be seen as a dude. It it is definitely you know I mean, like we in the zeitgeist in general, there's not much talk about AFAB mask folk of varying degrees, whether you're mask non-binary, whether you're a trans man, whether you're just a butch lesbian. Um, just a butch lesbian. I should really <laughs> knock that language out the window. Whether you're anywhere in those, you know, communities, the issues that relate to that, you know, don't really get discussed, especially how it relates to patriarchy and accusations of patriarchy. Just as there's very little distinction I think between the ideas of being a man and a patriarchal man that a lot of folks seem to have internalized. Mm. The, the the bad faith actors in political discourse right now, um, in reacting to Barbie, talk about Barbie being anti-man, whereas I watch this film and I see something that is anti-patriarchal. Being mm. a man is fine, but being an overbearing patriarchal man who grabs power and expects everyone else to acquiesce is a negative thing. And some people can't make that distinction. And, you know, especially when you're mired in that experience as well, I I can imagine that being very uncomfortable. I really appreciated hearing Sam's view on this because it's something that I wouldn't be able to consider and it was really great to hear that. Um, For me, the takeaway, as this is kind of my teacher hat, is that we actually do need to arm the youth and in a lot of ways can represent youth in some of this and um, to be fight the patriarchy, be no matter what gender they are, that patriarchy and toxic masculinity is something that will harm you if you're completely unarmed for it. We definitely need men are the ones who should fix it, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't arm everybody against it. Mm. Absolutely. And there's definitely talk about inoculating yourself against the patriarchy Mm -hmm. in uh, the Barbie movie. A lot of really, there's a lot of themes going on in this movie and I Mm. think everyone takes away a different message. The few people I've spoken to about it have all taken a different message and been like, yeah, I can see that too. I know my personal one was uh, just because a girl can be anything doesn't mean she has to be everything. (laughs) That's a great message, too. That's a really good one. That's the one I picked up on. Anyways, if you want to check out the Barbie movie, it is currently in cinemas now. If you're going to go, wear as much pink as you can, because that's that's the trend at the moment. And you're a grown-ass person, and you can wear whatever the hell you want. And if you get the cardboard cutout Barbie car, it's very cute. Absolutely. (laughs) Again, Clayton, you bitch. Okay. When we come back in just a minute, we're going to be talking about the other half of the popular meme in the the Barbenheimer meme with Oppenheimer. Don't go anywhere. Meanwhile, in the Geeks Out studio, a new superhero trailer has dropped. Blogosphere is all over it. We need to get a review out. And fast. This looks like a job for Geeks Out. Geeks Out. Geeks Out on Joy 94.9. You're with Miranda, Sam, and Clayton here. Right now, we're going to be talking about... The biopic of J. Robert Oppenheimer, presented to us from Christopher Nolan. We are, of course, talking about Oppenheimer, which, by the way, actually has nothing to do with Barbie, if you've (laughs) seen the memes. But still, uh, you know, they've been fun all the same. We've got a quick trailer for you right now. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it until they understand it.
then they won't understand it until they've used it. Theory will take you only so far. I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon. But we have no choice. That, of course, is Oppenheimer, the, uh, which follows the career of J. Robert Oppenheimer, the U.S.-born physicist who would become the lead architect in the design and impl- implementation of the first atomic bomb. Very daunting there. The film is directed by Christopher Nolan and stars Cillian Murphy, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, and so many more. You'll pick up a whole bunch of... A whole bunch of cameos the whole way through. Sam, you also had an opportunity to see this just yesterday. Yes. So, uh, I know. Your initial thoughts. I enjoyed it. Uh, Comparisons only take you so far, of course. But um, I found it very similar to The Imitation Game. Uh, If you liked that one, you'd probably enjoy this one. I think it's Um, the same sort of tonally. Oh, yeah. And look, okay, so you've got the neurodivergent coded, isolated, tortured genius wins the war for their country by doing something that no one else can. Uh, And their country doesn't thank them for it either. I think it's really cool. Like, you know, comparing Alan Turing to J. Robert Oppenheimer. Now, the computer, I don't think, has nearly had the same human costs no. that the atomic bomb has. I, I have some really complicated feelings about this film, you know, particularly, like, you know, a biography of such a, a complicated figure. I mean, often biopics are, are ahistorical to a degree, and... Whether it's for better or for worse, they always serve the narrative of whoever's written or directed it. But, you know, Robert Oppenheimer is such a complex character that in watching this film, I find myself having a difficult time uh, determining whether he is being more or less fair to the character than he deserves. Now, there very much is that you know, neuroatypical character going on there and somebody who's just following the science as well. But I also found him... Oh, he he does have that line, you know, I am become death destroyer of worlds. Mm. And there is that realization that he has built this atomic weapon that has killed tens of thousands and would change the world for years to come. And he does live with the weight and even the regret of that. But I find myself thinking, like, how, how am I supposed to feel bad for you if you knew mm. what you were walking into? Like, you knew what you were doing by building this. Yeah. Like, okay, if you wanted to be incredibly generous to him, uh, you'd say that uh, he first thought he was building it to use against the Nazis. Mm. Uh, it just wasn't made in time. That was the justification. Uh, if we didn't build the bomb, the Nazis would have. And, mm. you know, and I can see that, you know, I can definitely see how it would be a uh, very bad news for, mm. for a fascist state to hold the bomb. Yeah. And he walks away from it after the bombing, uh, doing everything he can to limit the proliferation of, uh, atomic weapons in the U S mm. 
uh, and also actually advocating for Russians to have the atomic weapon, or at least to say that they will develop it, uh, because you know if both superpowers have it, then it would be a mutually assured destruction, and neither of them would use it. Mm. Which you know, quite uh, naive. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very trusting in um in the better nature of people or the you know better reason of people, which um I know I don't think I know as much as I'm an idealist. I'm not sure I'm that much of an mm. idealist. It's it's very like I, I find myself very morally complicated because you know we, there were tens of thousands of people who died in 1945 when they when the U.S. bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, you know, I've, I've heard people say that, you know, like, oh, this was a necessary action because it ended World War Two. You know, it, you know, forced the emperor, the Japanese emperor, you know, who's, you know, willing to send his own people one way to die to surrender to an absolute power. But I, I want to say that the one thing I did appreciate about the Oppenheimer movie is that even though there are characters who use that logic and make those arguments that it does not present these maths deaths as good in mm. any way. If it's a necessary evil, it's still an evil, which is something that is, you know, very much deserves to be acknowledged. They do also dwell a lot on Oppenheimer's guilt about these deaths, uh, which, you know, is something. Mm. Um, but we don't see the stories of the victims mm. really at all. That that is something that uh, surprised a couple of folks. I know, like I'm, I'm, I expected you know just to follow the Oppenheimer character, which is what the film did. But we didn't get to see any, you know, accounts of what happened in Japan. Uh, so then, I think you know if you want a more human grounded experience of what happened maybe check out some companion pieces maybe watch um documentaries or stories about people who survived the bombing um you know even pieces of historical fiction i think one of the um and i've heard it you know generally agreed upon that one of the best war films to ever be produced is uh, hayao miyazaki's grave of the fireflies uh, from Studio Ghibli, which is about a couple of um, survivors from the bombings, like a couple of um, kids who are who are essentially orphaned and struggling to survive as they find a new home. This is the sort of story that I think we don't hear much of in the West, and I would definitely encourage more people to engage with. Um, I was very privileged a few years ago to go to Hiroshima um, Peace Museum, um, which was an amazing experience, not a good experience because it's about the dropping of the bomb, but to be able to actually hear the side of the story from 
the Japanese. So actually see their side of the story is just an incredible experience. If you do go to Japan, I highly recommend going to the Hiroshima Peace Museum, um, including the Children's Memorial, which really talks about the aftermath from um, Sadako and the Thousand Paper Cranes. I don't know how familiar people are with that, but seeing that story from that side is a really incredible experience. It's definitely history worth knowing. Mm-hmm. But moving back to the film Oppenheimer, you know, like we've talked about the themes, we've talked about the man, let's talk about the actual film as an artistic expression. It's very interesting the way in which Christopher Nolan has told this story. Yes. It's, it's, I want to say that this is nonlinear storytelling. Yes. Uh, but it also feels more like a collage because it sort of goes all over the place. Yeah. You've got scenes that happen in black and white sometimes even. Mm. That took me a bit to get get my head around. It feels like there's uh, four different parts of, maybe even more parts of his life being told in tandem Mm. with one another of, you know, being interrogated years later. Uh, There's a storyline with um, some politician. Uh, There's uh, his actually developing the bomb. There's his youth. There's his mistress. There's this and that, and you sort of jump all over the place and you're a bit confused sometimes about, okay, well, what happened when? Mm. Although I suppose it would have been a bit dry if they did tell it all in chronological order. Yeah. I feel like it. the movie was made in a really interesting way too, both visually and, like, what, soundscaping as well. Mm. Watching it, it felt quite like the experience of having ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> if ADHD is a film. <laughs> you know, you've got him having this conversation, but he's quite zoned in on this one particular image or sound. There, and there's, you know, random moments where he where they introduce the line, I am become death destroyer of worlds, while he's in the middle of having sex. Yep. Like, his partner just randomly walks up to a bookshelf and grabs the Bhagavad Gita and reads the Sanskrit and says, what's this? (laughs) (laughs) And that comes back later with the sex noises. (laughs) So that was a bit of an unusual... I want to point out that that was hilarious, but this is not a comedy. There are no jokes within this film. That was played entirely seriously. But I do think another thing that pays off about this film, uh, Christopher Nolan in producing films is absolutely dedicated to practical effects and not using CGI and has even used um, like physical film, no digital production in making this. Uh, The actual film reel for Oppenheimer, which runs for three hours and nine minutes, by the way. So if you're seeing it in the cinema, remember to pee first. (laughs) And, uh, Comfy chairs. And watch out for those big gulps, like, you know, the big giant drinks as well. Uh, But, you know, the, the, the film reel is two and a half... Uh, miles long as well and take yeah it, it's it's a long wow. long film uh, but you know Literally. yeah visually i think it really really pays off and he's used some very interesting effects here and i don't know w- with the constant tension of the film which doesn't ease up mm. at all mm. you still manage to stay engaged the whole while and then you walk out even if you went beforehand he's like i still gotta pee oh my god <laughs> Uh, it is a very intense film. Yeah. I think what disturbed me most after the fact is is it had me reading up on about atomic regulation after World War II. Now, 
Um, the Geneva Convention and the Geneva Accords were formed in 1945, so was the United Nations. But the Hague Accords, which uh, determined, um, you know, what are war crimes, what are fair use weapons, etc., which outright ban chemical and biological warfare had no bearing whatsoever on nations arming themselves with atomic weapons over the ages. And it's only been in the last few years, like 2017, I think, mm. in which we've actually seen nuclear disarmament agreements happening around the globe. And oh, that, that sort of adds a whole lot of extra weight to this film. Now, uh, if you do want to check out Oppenheimer, it is in cinemas now. Again, don't take a big drink. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.